Hi everybody and welcome to the Ocean Riders podcast. Conversations with creatives, entrepreneurs, thinkers and dreamers who also happen to be surfers. Today my guest is Simon Short, also known as the Average Surfer. Simon is from England but he lives in sunny California and he's a writer. He has been a regular contributor to the Inertia magazine, one of the coolest surfing magazines on the planet, and in 2016 he attracted a lot of attention when he published an inspiring article about surfing, depression and the need for identity. The success of this intimate and moving story inspired him to continue to write. Fast forward two years later, and next Monday, November 19th, Simon is launching his very first book. It's called The Average Surfer's Guide to Travel, Waves and Progression, and it's a true story and a riveting read. Simon reached out to me about a month ago and very generously allowed me to be the first person, apart from his girlfriend and editor, to read his book. I was honoured and humbled, and once I started reading, I really couldn't put the book down. The writing is crisp and clear, and Simon really nails it when he defines what an average surfer is and how surfing affects us. In today's episode, we take a step back from careers and jobs and reflect on what it is to be an average surfer. I think most of you listeners will recognise yourselves in Simon's definition. And we talk about how surfing is more than a sport. It's an identity, a community, and it's a lifestyle. And it breeds in us the love for the environment, for travel, for adventure, and for other people. If there's anything to take from our conversation, it's how to find that sweet balance between your passions and the rest of your life. Your sanity may depend on it. Simon is a living and breathing example of how we can prioritise our passions to become happier people and better humans. So without further ado, please welcome Simon Short, aka The Average Surfer. Simon, welcome to the Ocean Riders podcast. How are you today? I am very well. I've got my coffee. I've got my uh, chocolate croissant, and uh, on a cloudy morning in Huntington Beach, uh, right, right now, <laughs> Huntington <laughs> Beach, California. Yeah, correct. Yeah, great, great. Um, could you, uh, in a few words, introduce yourself to the listeners, please? I can. Yeah. Um, my name is Simon Short. Um, I guess I'm a, a, a writer. I still find that strange to say these days, but um, the fact that I have a book coming out and I write for various websites would make me a writer. So I'm a writer. I'm originally from England. I grew up um, in the southwest of England uh, in Dorset um, and Devon and Cornwall, and I moved to California about 11, 10 or 11 years ago. And, yeah, that's me. <laughs> Are you a full-time writer or is it a side hustle? It is very much a side hustle. Um, uh, I have no formal education other than high school in English or writing or anything like that. Uh, Writing came about for me just as an activity, a creative activity, um, after I went through some some harder times in life. Um, I came out the other end. Or was coming out the other end, and I decided to write an article um, called "Surfing: uh, A Story About Surfing, Identity, and Depression." Mm-hmm. And it was just a story about my um, 
my journey, what I've been through, uh, going through depression and how surfing had helped me come out the other side of that. Um, and I wrote it as therapy, really, just uh, to get my thoughts out on, on paper. Um, and I decided, well, since I wrote it, I'll submit it to some magazines and websites. And the Inertia picked it up. And uh, Zach at the Inertia was kind enough to give me a spot as a contributor, a community contributor there. So I, he posted it up there. And this was back in 2015, I believe. Um, within two or three months, I started seeing this article pop up on, on mental health blogs and websites. And I viewed the sharing numbers and it was being shared 2,000 times, 3,000 times. All of a sudden it had been shared, you know, over 5,000 times. Um, and people, and I, you know, I was reading the comments like you do, you want to see the feedback. <laughs> but, um, people were really relating to, to what I'd said, you know, everybody goes through hard times. And, and um, I was talking about how to, you know, how I learned to balance life and, and things like that. So, um, yeah, people were, were relating to it. So it kind of encouraged me. So I wrote another article about something else and then another one, and another one. And the inertia kept on publishing them for me, as did a few other websites. And before I knew it, I was writing so much that I pretty much wrote a book. <laughs> <laughs> Which actually writing a book is very different from writing an article. It was a lot harder. Um, yeah, just uh, writing was was therapy. It was creative, just like painting a picture or playing the guitar or whatever people do or surfing. Um, and yeah, I was lucky enough that, that people were relating to it and and observing my writings and publishing it. So um, it just grew from there. And now I have a book coming out and um, I'm published on quite a few websites. I run a blog, uh, The Surfers Guide. And yeah, and then, you know, just making, you know, it is still a side hustle. It's not, I'm not hanging up the, uh, I'm not retiring or anything, but, um, you know, you should, you should do these things for, for the love and the fun anyway, before, um, the career comes, I guess. But yeah, so I'm writing for these websites still. I do have a, a side job too. I work in uh, campus safety, um, out here in America on colleges. Right. Um, because um, my career before the writing was law enforcement. Uh, I was a police officer and an environmental um, law enforcement officer for over eight years in England and in America. So, yeah, it was quite a drastic change from from that to uh, to being a, a surf bum writer. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's really interesting. So you didn't you didn't study literature um, in particular at uni or school because your writing is so clear and and precise and and really it really gets the emotions across it's great it's it's um it's a super read thank you you're actually the first person that's ever read that book outside of my girlfriend and the the lady who currently edits you know i'm not trying to be uh anything i'm not so i, I write what i feel and um if people relate to that and i'm stoked on that but it was a really, really great read. And maybe we could sort of um, develop on that because um, you talk about the average surfer. Do you think you could define what an average surfer is? Yeah. Um, I definitely feel like I'm an average surfer. And, I, and I've and i surfed for you know, 18 years. 
I think the guy down the street who surfed for a couple of years could define himself as an average surfer as well. And, and what I mean by that is we're just we're, we're the core surfers. We're the surfers that go out, um, you know, on a cold morning in Cornwall in England with the winds howling. And then we go to work and work on nine to five, whatever that is, you know, or here in California and we fight the traffic and we grab a coffee and we pay the meter and paddle out with a hundred other people. Um, that real, the average surfers, our skill set is not professional, uh, but it's not beginner either. We, we know how to pop up. We know how to surf. We can, we can link turns together now and again. We can have moments of brilliance. And, uh, but at the same time, we can have absolute moments of frustration. Um, <laughs> I relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> the average surfer is, we're just, you know, if you look at, I write in the book, if you look at any lineup in the world, really, um, bar, you know, real elite places, and, you know, in the North Shore or, or um, South Pacific or whatever, but most common beach break lineups in California or Europe, you know, you look at the lineup, you have probably, you know, five, 10% beginners. You can mm -hmm. spot those guys. The blue boards, the foamies, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then you got the, you know, a, a minority of probably elite level surfers, experts, you know, even in Huntington Beach, um, let's say we paddle out by the pier and there's probably five, six guys on a regular day that, that really, really surf well um, mm -hmm. at elite level. They're, they're not professionals, but they, you know, and then everybody else, you know, 90, 80, 90% of the lineup, we're just average surfers. Um, and I don't mean that. I've had some feedback in a, in a negative uh, response about oh you know what does average mean and it's not, I don't mean it in a negative connotation it's just simply um, our skill set is average in the scheme of things really we're we're the uh, the majority of surfers and our skill set is intermediate so we're average surfers um, <laughs> and yeah the, the main um, translation of that I guess is equal moments of brilliance equal moments of frustration yeah. sometimes more moments frustration <laughs> it feels like um but you know it takes us that one wave you know i got one maybe a month ago where everything went right i was just i didn't even think about it i paddled in just cruised off down the line i was you know i'm not doing anything special i'm not you know philip toledo or kelly slater but i'm doing what i can do i'm going up and down the line and linking a few turns together and uh everything was perfect and and that was me at my best. But then the next session, I'm barely scratch, catching a wave. I'm falling off <laughs> like a real beginner almost, you know? So that, that's what I mean by the average surfer. And I think it's most of us um, out there. We are definitely the majority. Um, and the, the professional kind of side of surfing is one thing that we kind of can look at from afar um, and enjoy. But the reality is, is our reality, you know, we're the guys and girls who it's a luxury to get a, a new surfboard, um, might patch our wetsuits up if they got a hole in whatever, you know, we're, <laughs> we're the average. So that, that's always been my reality. So that's what I write about. And, and, and like I said, I think a lot of people can relate to that. Um, mm -hmm. sorry, that's my dog. That's okay. Dog. <laughs> yeah, that's Lilo and Stitch. <laughs> um yeah so that that's why i mean uh kind of defining the average surfer um just 
me, you, and the, and the guy or girl next door. As an average surfer, you say that surfing is part of our identity. And there's a really intimate part of the book where you tell your story about how you overcame depression and how surfing helped you get back on the road to happiness. Do you think you could elaborate on this really moving chapter of the book? Yeah, it was, um, and this this was, uh, I guess, um, the part of my life that led me to, to write that first article I was mentioning, um, Identity Surfing Depression. Um, so basically, I, I moved to California very young, at about 20, I think I was 21 or 22 <clears throat> at the time. Um, you know, the, the grass was greener and the surf. And I'd been here for a month on vacation before and met a girl, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, and went, went on from there. So I moved over here and and time went by, years went by, a few years. And, and before I knew it, I was um, I was doing everything that I thought I was expected to do to be happy and successful. Um the American dream is a good way to put it. You know, you come over here, you work hard, you get. But that that is derived by from status and career. Yeah. Um, and you know, I as a 25, 26, 27 year old guy, there was expectations about what you should be doing. Um, I, so I, you know, I got married. I got the three bedroom house. I became a police officer, um, well, a, a law, a environmental law enforcement, and then went on to police officer. Uh, was doing everything, uh, was deemed, I guess, by by the Western society's standards as being very, well, not very, but successful enough, you know, for, for a seven-year-old. Um, but I'd never been more miserable in, in my life. <laughs> to be fair. Um, deep inside. And, and I think a lot of people um, do that. They just continue on um, and, and they forget what, what makes them tick what makes them whole what makes them happy yeah um and for me that that had always been had always been surfing a huge part i've surfed since i was 14 um i came to california where there's 320 days of surf of every year and i wasn't surfing anymore i moved to two and a half hours away from the coast um and i was just completely um immersed in in what i thought i was supposed to do to be happy um the happiness never came i mean it wasn't completely terrible but something was missing inside of me something was um was not balanced yeah that's probably the, the theme of the whole the whole book is is how i learned about kind of life balance and, and having an equalization of your passions and your responsibilities yeah because it's, uh, it's quite difficult actually to to balance both of them there's some people that want to be on one extreme and some people that I think that they're you know being on the other extreme like living in a van or or um you know being a beach bum is the solution but actually managing to balance both is is very tricky and it's um it's really good to, to sort of pop that question um yeah. when you're 27 and not when you're 52 or something like that that's, you know so. yeah, that's, yeah that's right I, my uh to sound soppy but my mum told me that I was very lucky after it all happened six seven years later I was so lucky to have learned things so young um I guess was a, a blessing from it but you're, you're right I, I, we would all love to just go and live in a van and surf every day you know somewhere 
But I, I think in the long run, you, you still wouldn't be fulfilled from the other side of the scale. You, you, we need community, we need belonging, we need identity. Um, and we live in, a, in, if you live in Western Europe or America, we live in a certain society. So we have to partake, obviously, and we have to give back. So we have to balance that scale. We have to go to work. We have to um, pay our bills. But we can't neglect the the spiritual, the the metaphysical side of us. Um, which and as surfers, we're lucky enough to have something which completely soothes that mm. that side. In my experience, um, I hear the same with yoga. You know, things like that. Um, really passion, you know, activities that we're passionate about. And we can really balance our, our lives through these things if we prioritize them, if we treat them as equal to the career and the status. I'm not saying ignore responsibility or ignore career and just go surfing every day. I'm saying have a balance, have, have treat both equally. But in, in this, the way we look at things, in, especially in California, in America, um, surfing, yoga, things like that as an adult, as a 33-year-old man or woman, <laughs> it's kind of not looked down on, but it's treated as a fringe activity that you should only do in your spare time. Don't let it distract you from life. Well, I, I, after the journey I went through, um, I, I, I completely changed my view. I, I prioritized my surfing as much as anything else in life. Um, and when, once, once I realized that and I realized a way to make it work, um, you know, I feel much, much happier. I feel much more equal. And, um, yeah, that, that's kind of what the, the, the story is of the book is themed on. I think the title might be Deceiving, the Average Surface Guide, Travel Waves and Progression. People might think it's actually a guide, step-by-step -step guide. Yeah, how to pop up and <laughs> things yeah, like that. that not, I, I still think you can become, or maybe hopefully you could become a better surfer by reading it, but it's not in the, the sense, the literal sense you would think about. It's more yeah. about a, a mindset, maybe a, an approach to surfing. And, and there, there are parts in it where I talk about technique and, and but it's very minimal. It's uh, it's more of a, um, yeah, a, a, a lesson learned through my life and, 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 uh, and how I approach life and how many, many people approach life. Um, and most of those people seem to be, <clears throat> excuse me, very happy yeah. um, if they have a balance and equality in their life. Well, it's it's funny. I, I tell my kids, uh, you know, you never regret going in the sea um, and you don't. And that's part of the book as well. There was a chapter about um, the effects of water um, and there was a mind blowing um, experiment that was made. Could you tell us more about that experiment? Yeah, when when I found out about this, it literally blew my mind. And I was everyone I, I spoke to for the next two weeks. I've said, "Have you ever heard of the Mammalian <laughs> Reflex?" And I think I bored a lot of people. But um, I learned I learned about it through um, a free diving documentary. And I'm, I can't free dive. I'm I'm in awe of people who can who can do that. But um, yeah, it's it was an experiment done in the '60s by a Swede, I think a Swedish uh, professor. Um, and basically he had observed um, other mammals, seals in particular, when they dove into deep water, um, they had physiological changes to their body that, <coughs> that basically helped them stay underwater and, and dive deep longer. Um, 
and the, this professor wondered if you know we're mammals. I wonder if that happens to us. Um, so they uh, they did a, a bunch of tests and research and experiments. They strapped people into exercise equipment, um, <laughs> submerged them into water, and made them exercise. And the results they found, I'm sure a lot of people could explain this better than I can. But um, you know, when we when we basically when we go into water that's cooler than the outside air temperature. We have the physiological um, response. Uh, our heart rate drops. It's almost impossible to to raise your heart rate. I think it may be impossible to raise your heart rate when you're submerged in in cool water. Wow. Um, your blood uh, drains from your extremities to your vital organs to to um, preserve those. Um, and we're ba we're basically designed to be in water. And I, I don't want to go off on a tangent of um, theories about any of that. But, but we are from the water, I guess, you know, if you go back millions and millions of years, we sort of all came out of the ocean sometime. Exactly. So there's, you know, there's a lot of, um, I mean, it's fact, we, you know, these things are real that when we go in, just as something as simple as your, your fingers crinkling up in the bathtub, <laughs> that's, that's the grip. You know, if we catch a fish, you know, whatever it was, it's the grip. So all these things, um, and it led me to... Um, to think, well, maybe that's one of the reasons we feel so calm um, and, and the water provides us therapy for us. Like, like you said, we never go, we never come out of the surf feeling worse than we did when we went in. It's yeah. often the opposite, uh, unless you have a horrific wipeout or something. But <laughs> um, we go in and, and we, we're soothed, provided we have a calmness and ability to swim and we have experience in the ocean we go in and, and it soothes us and there, there's far more to the um mammalian uh, reflex than than, the, than i can explain my basic understanding of it there's all kinds of things about the lungs i know there was a theory that if we, in in the 60s if we dived um deeper than 30 meters our lungs would collapse um, but what they found actually that, that uh, again i can't explain this as well as i should but um something happens to our lungs to reinforce them um, at 30 meters. So again, we're, we're, we're designed to be in the ocean. We're designed to, uh, at some point, uh, assuming we, we got our, our food from the ocean or something, but um, yeah, it fascinates me. It's incredible. It, yeah, to, to write that chapter regarding um, kind of ocean therapy and, and what it does. And, and that's a big part. We're, like I said, we're so lucky to have something so close to nature, you know, that, that it soothes us and, and and really soothes that side of the scales I was talking about, that, yeah. that supernal side of the scale um, in, in life. So, yeah, that's, that's uh, and, and I thought that, that theory was a really good um, kind of segue into that. <laughs> no, it was, it was a really, really interesting, interesting read. Um, and I love the part about uh, core surfers and core surfing. C can you sort of develop that um, without spoiling the whole book? But, um, you know, tell us a bit more about um, what a core surfer is. Yeah, I think, again, um, it kind of ties in with the, the average surfer definition that I was mentioning earlier. But that chapter of the book relates more to how <clears throat> the... Um, the industry is kind of leaving us, I feel like, a little bit in some aspects. The surf industry and 
um, the WSL, the World Surf League, and the competition. Mm. Um, these companies are, are businesses, and they're they're really, um, you know, they they want to make profit. And surfing, in the global scheme of things, the surf community is very small. <clears throat> so brands like, well, I mentioned the brands, but the biggest surf brands, you know, we've just seen them go bankrupt. Mm. Um, and my theory, you know, my thoughts around it were, you know, they abandoned the, the core surfers. They abandoned us. They went and sold their their wares in in department stores and yeah, supermarkets um, and, <laughs> and it backfired on them. I think. Um, because it alienated us and a lot of people didn't want to wear those brands anymore, I guess. Um, the same thing with the World Surf League in a way. It's trying very – and I enjoy um, watching surf competitions. I do. I, I have years where I'm tuned to it and I watch every round and every heat and then other years I'm kind of whatever. And then, you know, but I, I enjoy it. I'm not sit here, sitting here hating on, on anybody. I love it. No. It's professional sports and it's, you know, it's kind of relatable in a way. Um to us but again i feel that they're trying so desperately hard to um to sell their sport to non-surfers yeah. um in a way and, it, and it's kind of alienating i watched the um the wave ranch and why it's um, while it's very cool to watch and see but um yeah, I, I wasn't entirely interested, but that's another story. But um, yeah. yeah, so it's going to be pretty controversial. But yeah, I I totally relate yeah. to that as well. It was a bit much more boring than when you when you watch them and you got all the commenters sort of waiting and and chatting about yeah. the, the 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 latest surf go gossip and whatever. But um, when it just comes on every two seconds, you got a perfect wave. It makes. It makes a big difference. Yeah, there was something lacking. And I really don't want to jump on the bandwagon of, oh, you know, I hate it or anything. Because no. I don't. I, but there's something lacking. And it made me think about core surfing. And, again, the difference between that and and us who paddle out at 6 a.m. in the morning. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, whatever hobby you're into, there's a professional version of it, which we watch and we enjoy. So that's that's fine. Um, but what, what I was talking about in the core surfing chapter was um, supporting real brands and, and core surf brands and your local community and things like this podcast. You know, it's like um, we talked off air before that, you know, you, you, you want to reach the real core surfers, just like I do with, with my book. That's mm. it's, it's written by me for people who will relate. So. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I find the same thing. I, I'd much rather go and support the, the guy who's shaping out of his garage down the street. See, if, you know, and his board will ride most of the time just as well. Well, as, it, uh, he's made it for the waves of the of the local yeah. the local waves. So yeah, it's much yeah. much. I a, 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 sorry, um, a cycle. With, you know, these these small brands. That's every brand. They all started just that way. Um, just in the garage, and then they gain success, and then they're bought out by the mothership and, and taken off to the department stores, which is fine, and the cycle continues. So I, I try and find the, the local brands and support them. I work with a, some really cool guys in, in England, actually. They're from Newcastle. Oh, really? Um, they're true core surfers. You don't get any more core than surfers. Uh, they're called Fitzroy Surfboards. This is really, really cool guys, um, Simon and Dave. And 
yeah, we just we 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 were chatting through Instagram or whatever. We related to each other. They were just really cool guys, just trying to make boards, trying you know trying and putting out environmentally conscious clothing. Really cool upstart brand. So you know, I'll help you if you guys can help me. That kind of thing. And we met up and went out in Newquay and had some drinks and, <laughs> and everything. And uh, yeah, just really cool guys. And I'm all about that. Let's let's support the the core, the real, the real surfers, you know, the, the core brands. And if they can make a product, a surfboard, which is, you know, comparable and, and as good as the $900 board in the, in the surf shop, then why not write the, uh, and help out the, the core brands. That's the way it should be. I feel. Yeah, absolutely. Moving on to, to actually, you know, writing the book and getting a, um, a book contract, how, how did that work? I mean, did you did somebody contact you, or did you have to go out and see editors? What's what's the whole kind of process of writing a book and getting it published? Well, these days, everything there's there's a million ways to do anything. It's never been easier. Whether you're a musician, a writer, you know, a podcaster, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to get your um, your your content out there and and if it's good, if, you know, hopefully my book is okay. Um, it will, <laughs> um, it will succeed in, in some way, shape or form. Um, I feel like, and you know, you know, obviously there's some marketing involved and all that. So my book is completely self-published. Um, and there's, there's a, there's a, a lot of different avenues to do that. Some of them cost a lot of money. Some of them don't. Um, but I'm lucky enough that I work, with the inertia and some other things as well. So I, I have those guys helping me a little mm -hmm. bit. Um, and then just grinding the rest of it, you know, um, having a, a social media, having that in the terms of marketing, but in mm -hmm. terms of publishing, yeah, it's, it's self published. And then it's all on, on your own shoulders to, to market that book or. Right. So, um, so basically, <laughs> you pay for the for the printing um do you work on pre-orders or do you how does that work out sort of financially because yeah. it's a quite big venture um to take on on your own yeah these are uh there's a lot of different options with that um as well there's print on demand so literally if somebody buys a book they'll print it and send it out so there's no loss there um and, and that's the route i've gone so it's print on demand so when somebody orders a book they send it out, um, but I also get a whole bunch up front of preview books and and, and everything too. Um, and I'm gonna go and, and tout them old old fashioned style as well, and <laughs> just get it out there. Um, I think it's a relatable book, and uh, and uh, hopefully people will enjoy it. <clears throat> yeah, well, definitely. I mean, I, I as an average surfer, <clears throat> I really enjoyed it, and um, it's funny because. When I was living in Bali, I did a blog post for my family and everything, and, and it turned out to be um, a guide to Bali for average surfers, not, not in exact terms, but for, you know, for people, intermediate surfers who can't sort of, can't go on the Uluwatu whatevers, and, yeah. um, and there's some, some um, surf spots that you can go to, the, the waves are mellow, and you can sort of keep on uh, enjoying yourself without getting crashed on the reef. That's exactly what we need, and and I talk about that in the book too. When we look at traveling, 
because um, if we're going to prioritize this life, we, we're going to want to travel and exactly. surf, you know, beautiful places. Um, then you look on the internet, and there's plenty of guide guidance for uh, beginners and where to go. There's plenty of guidance if you can ride fast, hollow waves at an elite level. But there's, there's very difficult to find kind of an intermediate level waves. I find I feel I'm I'm going to Sri Lanka in in a few months, Brilliant. which is the average surface paradise. So that one's kind of easy to find a four, five, six foot wave, you know, uh, yeah. of an intermediate level. And we want to challenge ourselves too, but we, you know, at the same time, we're not, we're not going to paddle out in Hawaii a pipeline or anything. But um, yeah, I think that's really important. I wish there was more guidance, uh, for, especially in travel for, for suitable kind of intermediate level waves. Yeah, because um, most of the beginner waves are just sort of full now of beginners and intermediate mm. surfers. So you get sort of if you go to Bali today and you go to a place called Batu Bolong, it's just packed with everybody. Um, so you don't have yeah. a good time there. And then yeah, and then the the really difficult spots are just well, I wouldn't I wouldn't go near that. But um, yeah, right. you really do need a, a guide, a, a world sort of storm rider guide for intermediate surfers. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Exactly. But it's great. You you also write in your book about um, different surfing surfing spots and surf cultures. So you visited. Well, obviously you talk about England, which is a great um, yeah uh, a great place to go. Um, super super vibes. And um, and then talk about north of Spain and Costa Rica and Mexico. So those are really really fun surf trips. Yeah, yeah. That that was part of my um. Uh, going through this journey from, you know, all the way back from the depression to, to the realization of having the equalizer and really putting everything into to surfing and into being a better person. And part of that for me was traveling. But why yeah. can't I go and travel these beautiful places? And like we just talked about, find some suitable waves that are going to challenge me to get better, but that I can have fun on. So that was a big part of it, uh, going traveling and a uh, and yeah, the, the end of the book is a kind of a com- compilation of places, you know, that I feel are really suitable and, and great places to go for um, for an average surfer. Costa <laughs> um, Rica is probably my favorite place um, that I've been. But ev- yeah, everywhere. Um, Northern Spain was a trip I took a long, long time ago. But England, I may be biased having grown up there. It's also one of my favorites. It's not... Um, lucky enough to have epic surf of you know all the time but there's something about the, the surf culture there where it's it's you know it's busy like anywhere else um in the summer but it's it's kind of retained a very underground um tribal feel i feel like in, in down in cornwall and and devon and parts of dorset so um yeah i, I write about that and, you know um that's again we're so lucky to have surfing um once it becomes a, a lifestyle, once you can get to a, an average intermediate level, it, it breeds, you know, in you a love for the environment. It breeds yeah. into your love for travel and adventure and other people and, and all this. So, um, yeah, that, that's, uh, I try and touch on, on that stuff in the book as well. That's great. I guess the best thing for people to do is to go and buy your book or order it. Um, when is it coming out? Uh, excuse me. It is out on November the nineteenth, mm-hmm. uh, another month or so. Um, you can go online now. 
um, to www.surfers.bide. Um, you'll see a lot of my articles on there. There's a couple of videos on there that we make. Um, and then there's also a, you just put your name and your email address down. There's nothing to buy, but it'll, it'll put you on the list. So, you know, the minute it comes out for pre-order and uh, you'll get the email saying, okay, ready, here you go. Yeah. You can do that at surfers.guide. Okay, I'll, I'll I'll put that in the show notes of the of the um of the podcast, and um, well, I guess we're sort of wrapping up. Um, what are your plans for the next uh, next year or so? Um, yeah, more writing. This book is is coming to an end. It's a, with the final um, editor has it right now, so that'll be back and then published. Um, write some more. Uh, I write for um, the Inertia, obviously, so I'll write some more. Um, articles but I, I don't force anything i just write when i when something happens or a thought sparks in my mind mm -hmm. um we're, we're making um some uh, video logs um these days as well just of our adventures around uh, me and a group of friends so that, that's go on the instagram um if you guys want to check that out too that's average surfers guide i think okay. or, um, yeah, so we're doing that, and then with that comes travel, obviously. So uh, I'm going back to England in December for some oh. cold water surfing. <laughs> cold water surfing, yeah, I remember England on the 23rd of December or something like that. It was um, pretty yeah, <laughs> hardcore. Yeah, me and a few buddies have a traditional Boxing Day surf. Oh, um, so maybe we'll get out if there's some waves and five mil suits and hoods. And then, uh, yeah, Sri Lanka will be the trip after that in March, I think. Which I'm really looking forward to. Um, just continue to write, continue to work on myself, and having that balance in life. Because it, it, you know, it's. I don't mean it to sound like it's a quick fix answer. It's not easy. It's continually, forever. You know, you work on, on, on balance and and having an equalizer and getting better as a surfer and getting better as a person. And we'll see what happens. <laughs> That's great. Okay. Well, I think we've sort of. Um... We've we finished the interview. Um, how how do you feel? Feel great, yeah. That was um, yeah the first time I've ever um, I've ever been on uh, uh, like anything like this. Uh, I'm a little <laughs> nervous. <laughs> I know, I know, I know the feeling because um, uh, the first the first interviews I did was I was really intimidated and like my voice went up an octave and um I was flapping my arms around and I was going uh-huh 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 and all the, and everything and it was really really bad but um getting better every day just like in surfing so. uh, yeah I feel I think it, it went it went fine um conversational that's that's really important um I was thinking yesterday I was like I hope it's not just question answer question answer <laughs> it's more organic it flows it was, it was fun really fun yeah yeah so thank you ever so much simon for for you know uh, participating and answering the and saying yes yes can i can i join the podcast mm -hmm. and um but, uh, yeah thank you again for having me on it was uh, really fun uh, you're welcome. Yeah, and just to, to, as a sort of side note, I was literally, you know, chuckling um, whilst I was reading it. There were some parts that were so relatable that it was, it was, it was spot on. So yeah, well, thank you for sharing. Good luck with uh, with the podcast too. I'm, I'm, I listen to a lot of surf podcasts, and I feel like there's definitely a need for um, a, 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 just a, a real relatable podcast. Thank you ever so much for joining, and. Um, have fun surfing in the perfect Californian waves. Take a wave for me, please. 
I will, absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for that. Thanks a lot. Yeah, and stay in touch via Instagram or whatever. And uh, I look forward to listening to all your shows. All right, then. Will do. Thanks ever so much, Simon. See you soon. That was such a refreshing conversation. Thank you, Simon, for reaching out. If there's anything to do to make your day, please get hold of Simon's book or get it for a friend. I personally was chuckling my way through the chapters of his book and was really inspired by his advice. As Simon pointed out in the show, you can pre-order his book today by leaving an email on his website or you can order it on Amazon where you'll be able to download the Kindle version as of Monday. So to connect with Simon, start by following him on Instagram at average underscore surfers underscore guide. Um, You can connect with him on Facebook at The Average Surfer and on YouTube where he shares some really cool videos. You can also read Simon's articles on www.surfers.guide and on The Inertia magazine www.theinertia.com. Look for The Average Surfer. As mentioned in the episode, Simon's book can be pre-ordered today on his website. And I'll just remind you of the website's address. It's www.surfers.guide. And you'll also be able to grab a copy on Amazon and Barnes & Noble if you're in the US. And the link will be in the show notes. If you like this episode, please share your thoughts and your love. Uh, tell your family and friends about the podcast and give me a rating on or a review on iTunes. That would really make my day. And if you'd like to connect with me, you can email me at hello at theoceanriderspodcast.com or reach out to me on Instagram at theoceanriderspodcast. I've also opened a Facebook group where you can join the conversation and share your thoughts too. Just look me up at the Ocean Riders Podcast. All the episodes can be streamed on www.theoceanriderspodcast.com and you can also listen to the episodes on your favourite podcasting app. So, so far I'm on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast, Deezer and recently on Spotify. So don't forget to subscribe so that next week's episode downloads automatically. I'll be back next week with an awesome surfer who's crushing it in Peru. Until then, take care. Have fun and enjoy the waves. Ciao.